Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. I want to start tonight in Matthew 15, chapter 15, verse 3. This is a familiar passage if you have been coming to Anchor Faith Church any length of time. And it says here, Jesus was speaking and he answered to them, talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? The word transgress here means to deviate. So Jesus is wondering, why are you guys not listening to the law of God? Why are you deviating from what God said with your own traditions? It means to rebel. Rebel is the the most dangerous word in the kingdom of God. We've said this often. And so Jesus is wondering, why in the world... Are you guys rebelling against what God has said? It means to overstep. And that's what these men were doing, these these Pharisees, these scribes. They were overstepping what God's word actually was with their own version of God's law, basically. They had traditions that were causing people to get into oppression. Because all these religious men were doing was they were bringing religion to these people. And you might be saying, well, wait a second, you know, I mean, it's, we're talking about the Jewish people. Isn't that a religion? Well, sure, that's a religion. But at the time, that was God's kingdom manifesting on the earth in the Old Covenant. When you see the temple, when you see the way that God orchestrated the Pharisees, the scribes, the way that he orchestrated that hierarchy, it was God's kingdom manifesting in the earth at the time. And the problem was, is they decided at some point, you know what? I actually think we're supposed to do some of these other things. And they deviated from God's word. And they started putting way too much importance on these traditions, on this basically commentary on what God's word said. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 in the message, it says, Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. And attention to God leads us out into the open, into, into a spacious and free life. These men were coming with tradition to just bog people down, to make them look at themselves and think, Oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me. Maybe, maybe in your life there's traditions that you've heard over and over, things that maybe from different denominations of Christianity that say, Oh, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. Maybe you came out of a church that said that. That's a tradition of man. And it's an absolute lie of the enemy that says that, oh, if you sin, you're going to have a, a bigger life. The world wants to tell, tell the church all the time that, hey, you need to open your mind. You're too closed-minded. You need to open your mind. You need to expand your thinking. That's not how that works. We're going get to get to more of that later. But we see here in Matthew 15, verse 3, we see this, this war already taking place. Jesus is recognized. You've got traditions. You've got things that you're doing that doesn't line up with the word of my father. You've got fleshly thinking that you're trying to overstep the spirit of God with. And that's not how that works. Galatians 5, chapter, Galatians 5 verse 17, it says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. I like the way that the Message Bible ends this verse. The second half of this, it says, these two ways of life are contrary to each other so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Come on, I like how it says that, that 
It's not how you feel any given day. Because this was the thing is, Jesus recognized you Pharisees, you just want to feel good about yourself because you're really just pointing out to my disciples, you're trying to make yourselves feel holier than thou, trying to say, hey, whoa, wait a second, why are the disciples not washing their hands ceremoniously before they, before they eat? Because I want to zoom out real quick on Matthew 15. That's what they're asking in verse 2. If you want to put that up for me, Rodney. Matthew 15, verse 2. I guess it starts in verse 1. But these Pharisees and these scribes, they, they came to Jesus and they were pointing this out and they said in verse two, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And we see in verse three, Jesus answered and said to them, why do you transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? And he continues on in verse four, verses four through six, he starts pointing out, he says, didn't God say you should honor your father and mother, but you guys are saying something else. You guys are saying something contrary to God's word. What's up with that? What's up with that? And through these, these verses here, we see when it gets down to verse 7, Jesus calls them out. He says, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. Verse 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. These traditions that were handed down, this, it was like a generational game of phone tag that eventually got so far off that they were just constantly going back to their traditions instead of what God's word said. They called this the Mishnah, and, and I find it funny that in second century, a rabbi decided, you know what, we shouldn't forget about these traditions, we should write them down. So they codified it as the Mishnah. And when God's word isn't enough for your life, you're going to open yourself up to ruin and deception. And so we see here these traditions, they were trying to just puff themselves up. They were trying to just make themselves feel better, trying to make those that weren't a part of the synagogue, trying to make them feel worse about themselves. They, they were replacing God's law, his word and decrees with their own law. And repentance is the only thing that can bring us back to God's law. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 in the Passion, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life is flowing through the anointing of Jesus. Let me, let me start that over. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. So we're still under a law today. And thank God we're still under a law because I don't want to be under the law of sin and death. I want to be under this law of the Spirit of life. I want that flowing through me. I want that word flowing through me. I don't want these traditions of men dictating my life. And God is saying to us tonight, he's saying, I want you to get back to how I want you to think. I don't want you thinking about these traditions. I don't want you thinking about these doctrines, these precepts of men. And I want to pose a question. What are things in your life that have become doctrine to you that shouldn't be. And it doesn't have to just be spiritual things, you guys. It becomes mindsets. It can become strongholds. It becomes mental blocks in your life. Right? Come on. We see this all the time. There's, there's people that uh, they're struggling with some kind of worldview, maybe materialism, atheism, Darwinism. I could say some isms that 
could stir the pot tonight and y'all might not like. But if it's got ism at the end of the word, it probably doesn't belong in the kingdom of God, y'all. The Lord's wanting us to do away with these traditions, these doctrines that we've grown up with, and he wants us to forget about them. He wants us to unlearn what we've learned. So that's what I'm talking to you about tonight is unlearn what you've learned. Maybe some doctrines that you've grown up thinking about or maybe that you've developed over time is that, you know, something that sounds kind of noble is that you need to put your spouse first. Your spouse has to have priority in everything you're doing in life. Yeah, that sounds noble that you would prioritize that relationship in your life or maybe your, your, your kids, your family, that you would prioritize that relationship. That sounds real noble, that you would prioritize that relationship. Maybe you're the breadwinner in your house, you're the sole income, and you think, man, I, I got to work all the time. My job's got to come first. I got to make everything bow to my job so that I can bring home a paycheck so that we can have a living, so that we can live in our house, so we can pay our bills. Maybe a mindset you've grown up with is, uh, you know, more money will make your life's problems disappear. I, I can think of plenty of problems that more money would totally solve for me. But I know for a fact that more money is not going to solve all of my life's problems because the saying goes, more money, more problems, and it's true. Maybe you're thinking wherever my job is, maybe that's where I got to live. And maybe you're, you're thinking, man, my previous way of living has sullied my chance of a happy life. Maybe you're thinking my past is so stained in red, there's no way that I could have a new life. There's no way that I could have a happy life, a happy marriage, happy relationships, great friendships. These are traditions, these are doctrines that get ingrained in our mind that Jesus came to deliver us from. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Come on, guys. We, we don't pick a fight with some other person that we see on the street, somebody that commented something that just riles you up on Facebook. Because I see some of y'all stirring the pot on Facebook sometimes. There's plenty of times that I see stuff because... Uh, like me and Joshua, Chase, Bradley, Pastor Marcus, all of us on the creative team, we see all these really terrible, just trash things that get said in the creative church world. And it's, it's awful. And there's so many times that there's comments that get flown up there that, you know, all of us were like preparing a text to just post and we're like, I can't do it though. This ain't, this ain't biblical. This ain't showing love because it's just blasting somebody on this public forum that I have no idea who this person is. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, the battle's in our mind, and God wants to renew our minds back to his word. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, that we see what we're supposed to do. 
I love the way that the Passion said this. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the, de the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Come on, these are these mental blocks, these mental strongholds that these are what we're, we're waging war against. These are those worldviews. You know, it might not just be a worldview, it might be a personal attitude. It might be that you've got constant worry all the time. That you're a people pleaser, constantly trying to seek recognition and, you know, get compliments from people all the time. You're trying to seek approval. Maybe it's something you've made an idol in your life. Maybe it's fear that you're always living living by. Maybe it's guilt, doubt, resentment. Maybe, maybe you've got resentment against a family member because they straight up cussed you out and embarrassed the heck out of you last Thanksgiving. Don't hold resentment against that. You need to walk in forgiveness so that the next time you see that person, you can walk up to them, give them a big old hug, and share the love of God. You know, these personal attitudes, maybe it's an insecurity or constant anxiety. I feel like the world has this obsession right now with anxiety. That everybody's like, hey, it's okay that you're, you've got anxiety. It's no big deal. Let's just medicate it. Here, take these pills. It's no big deal. There's this saying that's permeated the world, and then it showed up in the church. Well, places that want to say they're church. And it goes like this, it's okay to not be okay. And that's only true for a little teeny tiny season because God doesn't want, to want you to stay not okay. God doesn't want you to stay in resentment. He doesn't want you to stay in doubt. He doesn't want you to be in fear of what your life's got going on. He doesn't want you living in religion, in these traditions, by these doctrines, these precepts of men. God wants you to be out in the open. He wants you to be free in the kingdom of God. These are those doctrines. These are those things that God has brought us freedom with his word. And the spirit and the flesh, they're always at opposition within you, but that's all right. It's all right that they're always at opposition with you because God's made us well able. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. It's a powerful verse. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I want to stop right here for a second. That word, acceptable, that means well-pleasing, so Paul's encouraging the church at Rome here, I want you to be well-pleasing to God. And that word spiritual, it can be translated as the word rational. And I find that really interesting. That word rational, it means, you know, we see this all the time in movies that there's like some crazy chaotic scene going on. People are being frustrated. They're emotional. You know, maybe it's like a spy espionage movie and there's like a hostage situation and like all these crazy lines start getting thrown out and then there's always one character that says, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Let's be rational here. Right? That means let's take the most sound-minded decision here. Let's take the simplest thing and let's do that instead. Right? Another, defini- another definition of the, the meaning rational is the most realistic option. And I love that because we see here that Paul's telling us to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, which is our most realistic option of worship. So as we are new creation beings, our most realistic option of worship is to present our bodies as a living, holy sacrifice. But how do we do that? Paul continues on in verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Come on, Paul gives us the answer. He's telling us this is your most realistic option of worship. And the way you do that is you've got to not be conformed to this world. You've got to transform your thinking. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because God wants us to be perfect, and that word perfect means mature. You know, I I hear that word perfect, and I always go back to remember the Titans. I love that movie. I'm not a huge sports guy, but I don't know what it is about that movie. I just, ah, I love that movie. And there's a speech towards the end of the movie that that the coach is kind of like, well, we've, we've done all we can. And one of the players says, no, no, you, you demanded perfection from this team. And up to this point, this team's been perfect. And that word perfect, it means mature. And God, God's not looking for you to never, ever make some mistake, but he's looking for maturity. He's looking for maturity to manifest out of you. Because when you have a mature mind, you're going to be thinking right. And when you're thinking right, you're going to be acting right. When you're acting right, you're going to be living right. And when you're living right, you can be fulfilling your purpose that God has for you in the kingdom of God. When you're not thinking on these traditions, when you're not acting on these precepts of men, when you've unlearned those things that you had learned. Paul says, don't be conformed to the world The world is popular culture. You know, there's a lot of things that are popular right now in the world that has no part in the church. You know, we're talking about the mission of this commentary of the law that it was constantly pointing inward. It was being focused on the individual and bringing oppression. Man, that's so much of what goes on in the world that they've got these philosophies that all it is is, hey, look at me, look at me. Look at what I've been going through. Or it's, look at how great I am, right? It's always focused on self. And believers, we have, a, we have a responsibility to think as God desires us to think, to not think of ourselves solely. And I'm going to get a little teachy here. The word for transform there is is where we get the word metamorphosis. And I always think about a a caterpillar that makes a cocoon. You know, those cocoons are ugly. They look like a loogie that's been wrapped in a spider web. (laughs) 
But somehow out of this nasty, gross thing, there emerges like this beautiful creature. Right? Sometimes the caterpillars going in look pretty cool. But more times than not, the butterfly that comes out the other end is unrecognizable to the caterpillar. And this is what Paul is saying here to the church at Rome. He says, I want you to be unrecognizable to the world. I want you to be unrecognizable to those that knew you before you found Jesus, before you found the kingdom of God. He wants us to be unrecognizable. And the thing about that butterfly, that caterpillar in its DNA the whole time, there was that potential. Right now in our spiritual DNA, the potential for a, a strong, mature kingdom of God citizen, it's in you right now. You just gotta, you just gotta do the process. You gotta pull it out. You gotta renew your mind. You gotta take every thought captive. When, when a tradition tries to come up to, to you, you gotta grab that thing. You gotta say, nope, you don't line up with the knowledge of God. You gotta put it out. You know, sometimes I was, as I was meditating on this, I, I was thinking, you know, you, you might almost need to pantomime this. You gotta think about the thought and you gotta grab it by the neck. You gotta look at it in the face and say, no! You don't line up with the word of God. Get out of my mind. That word renewing that we see in verse two, there's a whole bunch of meanings. There's a whole bunch of like, you break it down in the Greek and it's got like three different words, but essentially it's, it's repetition. It's a reversal. It's a repetition, but also it means new in regards to freshness. And I, I love that because it's this repetition of freshness that Paul's talking about here, that he wants your, your mind to be. He wants our mind to be restored back to a former state. Amen. And the word of God, when, it, when you receive it, because we, we say often that the word of God does two things. Really, the word of God's going to do three things. But the first thing that you got to do is you got to receive the word of God. If you don't receive the word of God, you're going to harden your heart. But if you receive the word of God, it's going to do two things. It's going to either form a new belief in you or it's going to strengthen a belief that you've already had. And Paul's saying, when you're renewing your mind, every time the word's coming, it needs to be fresh to you. Romans 5.17 says, faith now, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Pastor Earl talks all the time that that's not a having heard but it's a hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It's a constant repetition. That's what Paul's talking about here in Romans 12. That he wants us to constantly have our mind renewed to freshness to the word of God. Because without it, we can't get back to this former state of thinking. We see this, we see this former state of thinking in Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Adam had no problem with his thought life in the Garden of Eden. None. It wasn't until Genesis 3 that all of a sudden we've got this whole fiasco, Right? For all intents and purposes, he he might not have ever had to even take a thought captive that didn't line up with with God's word. Because all we know is when the serpent came and deceived Eve, Adam just stood by there and watched and saw what happened and standing around waiting while his his wife ate the fruit. He's like, I want to see what happens. Let's see what happens. Then he's like, nothing happened. What's the big deal? 
So he took a bite and everything changed. And he had this mindset shift. But God's wanting us to get back to this, this mindset, this Garden of Eden mindset. And you might be thinking, whoa, 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 hold on a second. God's goal for us is that we would be having this like Genesis 1 and 2 mindset experience. How, how are we supposed to do that? Because the, the thing is, is, this is God's end goal for us in, in Revelations 21 and 22. We see that it mirrors Genesis 1 and 2. But the thing is, we have access to this mindset right now in this fallen world. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 in the Passion, it says, For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh? I like this translation because it, it brought Yahweh back in New Testament. Who has known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has. And we possess Christ's perceptions. I like that it said Christ's perceptions. The NASB says we have the mind of Christ. So we have the ability to have this mindset right now. We have this ability right now that when a, when a thought that comes to us that's tradition thinking, that's this doctrine thinking, this precept of men, we have the ability right now to say, whoa, 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 that don't line up with the word of God. That doesn't line up with, with what my God said. When, when symptoms are coming at your body, and I've had symptoms coming at my body all week long since Sunday. I think Pastor Brandon gave it to me, so blame him. And I've been having to speak to my body because right now, honestly, I'm so happy that I don't sound like a prepubescent teenager because that's what I sounded like this morning. But I've been having to speak over my, my body and I, got, I, I started on it a little late. I'm going to be honest with my wife. She was telling me, she's like, you know, you, you kind of let things fester a little bit before you start speaking on it. And I was like, ah, why are you always right? Because they are. You're welcome, ladies. <laughs> but man, when symptoms are coming to your body, when, when all of a sudden maybe you get, you get some weird random extra bill that you're like, hey, whoa, wait a second, where did this come from? And you're like, we definitely don't have this in the bank because we were planning on taking the whole family to Walt Disney World in a couple weeks, and now we're going to have to eat into that money. Like, come on, what's the deal with this? That's where you say no. No, that's not how this works. God, you supply my needs. You give me the desires of my heart. I'm going to have favor before these people. We're going to figure this thing out. We're not going to have lack somewhere. This, this thing we were trying to do to invest in our family, we're not going to have lack here. But that's how we have that mindset. If you want to be a chosen individual, like Chase was ministering on a week and a half ago, if you want to be able to always face a situation and know it's going to be all right, if you want to have a sweet, abundant life, you're going to have to take every thought captive. That's where it starts. You've got to take every thought captive. Because if you're not thinking right, you're not going to be acting right. If you're not acting right, you're not going to be living right, and God's not going to use us if we're not living right. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. I love this passage of Scripture because it's got but in all these great spots. Because I heard it one time, talking about the contraction, that anytime you see it, usually it's like, hey, don't worry about anything before that. Only focus on what's after it. And I love that. Because so much through this, Paul's saying, hey, this is what the flesh does, but I want you to focus on what the Spirit of God is saying about this. 
In verse 5, it says, For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When you're setting your mind on those precepts of men, when you're, you're thinking about those learned doctrines, you're setting your mind on something dead that has no future. I read verse 6 out of the message earlier, but I want to read this whole section out of the message now. It says, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Come on, if that doesn't paint a picture of those Pharisees and scribes, I don't know what will. All they wanted to do was show, hey, look at how good we are, how holy we are. Come on, we can't be people like that. We gotta be people that are humble, that say, now let me serve you. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. And attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. And I gotta say this one more time. It's it's a lie from the world. Because I... You guys see those, those bumper stickers all the time. I had a friend back in high school that had one that said coexist. And it's got all those religious symbols that make up the word. Man, that is the biggest lie from the enemy, y'all. That is a huge lie from the world that we should coexist with other religions that are, they're just giving us precepts of men. They're giving us false doctrine. When Jesus said, why are you transgressing the commandment of God? for the sake of these traditions. Come on. It's, that's a huge lie because at the end, there's, there's, only, there's only one left and it's the kingdom of God. There's only one left and it's the kingdom of God. The world's going to try to tell you that when you subject yourself to their way of thinking that it's going to open up new possibilities, that it's going to open up this whole new realm of, of life. I think back to the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam Hundreds, thousands, we have no idea how many options for food. It might have been millions of different trees, you guys. Millions of different trees. Millions of possibilities of food that he could eat. And there was one. One. That God said, don't eat from this one. One. And that's what the world is doing. They're saying, you need to open your mind, but really, this is one choice. And it's just going to funnel you down to a dead end. These philosophies have to be taken captive. They don't belong in the kingdom of God. Continuing on, it says, focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in the self ignores God, and they end up thinking more about themselves than about God. And that person ignores who God is and what he's doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored Guys, when you're only focusing on what the world wants you to focus on, when you're following the latest trends, the latest hot topics, it's going to lead you down to a dead end. It's going to lead you down a path that God's going to say, man, what happened? Where are you? God's still asking that question today. Where are you? 
We see that when we set our mind on the flesh, it's going to end in death. It's going to end in us being hostile to God. We're going to be separated from him. We're not going to be able to hear his voice. We won't be subject to God. Because, man, when you're subject to God, you know what happens? Healing, miraculous healing manifests in your life. Provision manifests in your life. Your marriage can be the best it's ever been. The relationships and friendships you have can be the best that you've ever experienced in your life. When you subject yourself to God, he, he could take you around the world if he wants. Because I thank God that I submitted to him because I've traveled to 13, 14, 15 countries, I think. And I think 13 of those I did while I've been a part of Anchor Faith Church. That I followed my purpose here, I let God use me, and then that opened up the possibility that I got to travel with Pastor Earl, that I got to go to these places, I got to go to Haiti, I got to go to Hong Kong, China, India, to help minister, and I got, I got to use my gifts. When you open yourself up to God's possibility, guys, it's, it's endless, it's open, it's spacious, it's free. Romans 8, verse 13, it says, For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul's saying here, you gotta, you got to set your mind on, on God's things. you got to control what your mind is thinking on. And we have that ability because in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul tells us, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. We need to think on heavenly things. We need to think on God's word, on God's decrees. We need to take captive all these, these doctrines that come against the knowledge of God. We need to take captive these precepts of men. We need to unlearn what we've learned. When you're setting your mind on, on God's thoughts, you're, you're entertaining God's word in your mind. You know what goes on when you entertain something, right? You know, you invite some people over, you're like, hey, you know, let's, let's hang out. You might not say like, hey, I'd love to entertain you. <laughs> but that's what's happening. They come over, they hang out in your living room, you, you serve them, you wait on them. That's what's going on when you're setting your mind on, on heavenly things. You're, you're entertaining the word of God. You're entertaining the spirit of God in your mind so that your mind's dwelling on it. Because this is what happens is when a thought comes that, doesn't line up with God's word and you start, to, uh, you start to just chew on it. You start to let it just sit there. You know, maybe you got in an argument with your spouse, you know, and as a husband you're thinking, oh man, I could say 10 things right now. And you just start chewing on that word and days go by and you're like, man, that 10 things has turned into 10,000. 10, I could just erupt right now. And then all of a sudden, your spouse is, you know, maybe does something else that sets you off again, and you've just been, all you've been doing is chewing on that last comment, and all of a sudden, you explode. And there's all these choice four-letter words that come out, too. That's not okay, guys. That's not okay. Maybe at work, maybe you're working for somebody that just aggravates you to high heaven. And you're thinking, God, deliver me from this boss. <laughs> Maybe you need to just show up to work on time. Maybe you need to just show up and not give your opinion to your boss, but serve them instead. 
and go above and beyond because your attitude might change completely when that happens. A few weeks, a month might go by and all of a sudden, man, I, I have the best boss in the world. And you know what happened? You changed your mindset. There's this saying that, I think Reverend Randy was honestly the first one I ever heard really say this, but it was being so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And it's one of those statements that like, you know, kind of like earlier talking about having your family is your priority. It sounds kind of noble that, you know, you should be aware of what's going on in the world around you. But how heavenly minded was Jesus? Right? Like, how heavenly minded was Paul? Were any of the disciples? I don't think they were worried about what the world was doing, guys. I think they were concerned with, hey, what's my heavenly father telling me right now? How can I get in line with that word? How can I get this old way of thinking to die out? Because, man, if anybody had to renew their mind, it was Paul. Let's be real. The guy was killing Christians before he got converted. What kind of insecurity, what kind of shame was trying to rear its head at him when he was going to Peter and saying, hey, man, hey, man, I had a visitation from Jesus, and this happened. What kind of things was he having to overcome in in, in those moments that he sat down and talked with the disciples to say, hey, I want to make sure I've got this right. We got to take those thoughts captive. Guys, Jesus, he did this in the desert. He went out for 40 days. He ain't eating. He ain't drinking. He was hungry. I think that's so funny that every, every account of that in the gospel, it says, and he was hungry. Well, no, duh. It's been 40 days and he ain't ate. He hasn't ate nothing. He hasn't drank nothing. Like, come on. And the enemy comes to him and he, he attacks him. He starts trying to get a thought in his mind. He starts trying to penetrate his thinking. He starts attacking his identity. He comes at him and says, if you are the son of God, come on, how many times is the enemy coming to you saying, and you're feeling sick, and he's saying, oh, if you are a son of God, maybe God would heal you. And that's where you got to say, I am a child of God. He took stripes on his back for my sickness and my infirmities. Get out of here, devil. Come on, Jesus, three times we have this account that, that the enemy was coming. He said, man, if you are the son of God, just turn these stones to bread. Yeah. And Jesus said, it is written. Every time he responded with the word, if you're the son of God, just throw yourself off the temple and angels will keep you from bashing your foot or against the rock. No, it is written. Yeah. Just bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the, the kingdoms of the world. These were temptations, y'all. These are things that the devil could have given to Jesus that he tempted Jesus with that Jesus had to overcome. And every time he responded with, it is written. Because that's the difference, guys. Temptation isn't sin. If you don't give in to temptation, you haven't sinned. And I think there's a lot of people that get hung up on that. Because if, you get, if you're getting hung up on that, then you're thinking Jesus wasn't perfect. Because it says, we have the account that, that Jesus... Uh, he, was, he was tempted on all accounts, y'all. He was tempted on all accounts. So if you think temptation is sin, if you think 
Getting tempted, having, having like a lustful thought come to your mind, having a thought of not being good enough. If you think of that sin, y'all need to be delivered. Because you got to get, you got to conquer that thought when it's coming. Because that's what Jesus did. He's getting tempted. He's saying, no, it's written. Come on, we see this with David and Goliath. David shows up and Goliath's been there and he's taught and he's yelling things at the armies of God. And David shows up and he's just delivering food to his brothers, man. He's just delivering food to his brothers. And what happens? David's like, who is this guy? Right? All of a sudden, this boldness rose up out of David. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this guy that's not even in covenant with our God? Why is he talking to us like this? Right? David was able to remind himself of who their actual covenant was with, what the final word was. He knew, wait a second, y'all are thinking the wrong thing, man. Y'all are thinking on what God's word said. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, it says, Be anxious for nothing. Come on, the world wants, wants us to be obsessed with anxiety that normalize being anxious. Paul's saying here to the church of Philippi, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests, your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, guys. This is the process of repentance. This is how we take captive these traditions. This is how we take captive those doctrines, those precepts of men. We, we come to God in prayer and supplication. We give thanks to God. And his peace is going to permeate our whole being. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Paul gives us what we're supposed to think on. Don't think on the lack. Don't think on the bad situation. Come on, think on whatever's pure, whatever's right. Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. We see, the, we see Peter here. And Peter's not thinking about what's lovely. Peter's not thinking about what's lovely. He's not thinking about what's pure. He got hung up when Jesus said, I'm going to die. And he's, he's, he's coming to Jesus with this noble thought, guys. He's coming to Jesus with this noble-sounding idea. May it never be. May you never die, Lord. And what's Jesus do? He says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You're not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. He's basically telling Peter, bro, you're acting like these Pharisees. You're acting like these scribes that are supposed to know the law inside and out, but yet they're not living by it. You're setting your mind on man's interests. Come on, talking about David. David chose to remember the covenant Israel had with God instead of the size of Goliath's spear. Come on, Jesus chose to speak the word only instead of giving in to temptation. Come on, Joshua and Caleb, when they're spying on the land and all the other spies are like, whoa, man, like, 
not a chance are we going to be able to do this. They're saying, no, it's exactly what the Lord said. Let's do this. I want to take you guys to Psychology 101 real quick. Rodney, if you would put up that slide. This is what the world says essentially our mindset is. This is called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. If you've taken like a psychology course in college or something, you most likely saw this at some point. Basically, it's this wonderful pyramid of things that as the needs are met, you advance to the next level. And then if that level's not being met, you're gonna revert to the level before that. And this is basically what the world says we're supposed to think like. So we've got physiological needs down here at the bottom and safety needs right above that. Those are our basic needs, all right? So we've got food, water, warmth, and rest, security and safety, and then above that we've got our belonging needs and our love needs. We've got friends and intimate relationships. So if we're, if we're experiencing those, we're going to move on to the next level. Our esteem needs, we're wanting to look for prestige, for feelings of accomplishment. And if we're, we're realizing, hey, I'm, I'm accomplished, all right, this is awesome, we're going to look to start trying to achieve our full potential. But the problem is, guys, this, this is what the world's saying our mind is doing all the time. And there's so many people that get wrapped up in one of these levels that they can't see beyond the next one. They can't see beyond where they're at to move on to the next one. And God has an answer for every single one of these levels. We're going to start at the bottom level, physiological needs, in Matthew chapter 6. In the NASB, this, this, pa this passage of scripture, uh, verses 25 through 34, it calls this the cure for anxiety. Jesus is speaking and he says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Come on, right there. Come on, Paul already said it, be anxious for nothing. Jesus is saying, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your physiological needs. Don't worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes, clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Don't worry. Again, he's saying, don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, those that aren't in covenant with God, they eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need all of those things. So verse 33, but seek first 
his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So come on, that, that base level, those physiological needs, food, water, warmth, and rest, God's taking care of those right there in Matthew 6, guys. He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God, and you're going to have all these met. You're going to have all these met. Go on that next level up, Psalms 91. If you're not confessing this over your family all the time, you need to be. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but verses 9 and 10. It says, for you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high your dwelling place. No evil will happen to you, nor will any plague come near your tent. Come on, guys, right there, that, that whole chapter, when you read that whole thing, it's talking about a 1,000 falling at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it can't come close to you. It can't touch you. Come on, that's that next level, that security and safety God's got it taken care of. That next level, belongingness, our love needs, finding friends, finding intimate relationships. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, it says, Beloved, let's love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed in us. Guys, he's got this taken care of. When we're putting his word first, when we're not listening to these traditions of men, when we're not following these precepts, these levels of these needs that we have, they're getting met every single time, every step of the way. Come on, when you realize that, man, I've got deep, intimate relationships, I've got the best friends I've got, God says, hey, don't stop there. Don't stop there. God wants to give us prestige. He wants to fulfill our esteem in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And I'm only giving you one verse for each one of these levels. Guys, they are countless. There are countless verses that go with each one of these levels. It says, and if we're children, we are heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Come on, that's, that's some esteem right there. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Come on, we're heirs with Christ. We're fellow heirs with Christ. And then finally, this last level, self-actualization, achieving our full potential. God gives us the tools for this because guess what? This is the one level that really requires our action. God gives us the tools. In Romans chapter 8 again, verses 36 through 39, it says, Just as it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, he's given us the ability to advance through every single one of these levels and fulfill and achieve our full potential. We don't have to be subject to this, this diagram because God's word says something about every single one of these things. And Pastor Marcus, you can come. If we want to achieve our full potential, we have to unlearn 
those old things that we've learned. Guys, James 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come on, that's all one action right there. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you submit to God's process for your life, when you're renewing your mind, when you're taking every thought captive that does not line up with the knowledge of God, the true knowledge of God, when you're seeking first his kingdom, choosing life becomes so easy. Choosing the spirit of God becomes so easy anytime you you come into those situations. And finally, I want to leave you with this verse. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. We got to renew our minds, guys. And the way we do that is we keep the book of the law. We say, let this book of the law, let this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.